Wake up, America. It's Morning Air with John Morales. Si, senor. Sarah Tafoya. This is my mom. Am I going to get paid for this? <laughs> and Glenn Leverins. This is Morning Air. That's how I know. <laughs> <laughs> On Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Si, senor. Wake up, America. It's Thursday, March 2nd. Good morning and welcome back to the final hour of Morning Air. I'm John Morales, along with Glenn Leverance. Our studio producer is Sarah Tafoya. Thanks so much for joining us across America and beyond. It's good to be with you on this Thursday in the first week of Lent here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I want to welcome in our new listeners uh, tuning in on Relevant Radio, 1030 a.m. in Metro Detroit, uh, which also includes four uh, new FM stations. Welcome aboard. Welcome to the Relevant Radio family. I spent uh, nearly a decade working in uh, Detroit uh, TV during my sports reporting days. Great, great memories of, uh, of Michigan. It's like my second home. So it is really good to be with you. Again, uh, welcome uh, to Morning Air and Relevant Radio. Now, even though we're already in the first week of Lent, if you haven't signed up for Father Rocky's Lenten Lessons on the Mass, for whatever reason, it's still not too late. You can do it this morning at relevantradio.com Lent and get ready to uh, learn the Mass, live the Mass, and love the Mass more than ever before, in the words of Father Rocky. And the good news is it's 100% totally free. Again, that's relevantradio.com slash Lent. As we uh, do every hour, I want to bring in uh, our Morning Air team, Glenn and Sarah. Glenn, what are a few of the big stories that are making headlines uh, this hour here on this Thursday morning? Hey, some greetings to Detroit uh, for me as well. My first ever intramural baseball team was the Tigers, and so I had uh, you know a Detroit logo on my cap for a while, a couple years back. So. I love it. So you wore the old English D. <laughs> yeah, we did. And for some reason, though, our hats and shirts were green. I don't know why, but uh, anyway, we were the Tigers. <laughs> Next year, uh, ended up on the Astros, I think. But uh, anyway, go Tigers, and uh, thanks for joining us in Detroit this morning. What we're looking at news-wise here is out of this world, though, or at least up into orbit, SpaceX and NASA launching a fresh crew of astronauts to the International Space Station. There were two uh, American NASA astronauts, a Russian cosmonaut and an astronaut from the UAE, United Arab Emirates. And so uh, they'll dock about uh, 12.17 Central Time early tomorrow morning. Takes about a, a day to kind of make their way through space and and hook up uh, with the uh, the orbiting International Space Station, which I'm sure is good news for the men on board there because... Uh, their rescue capsule, essentially, their lifeboat had uh, got a ding in it, uh, basically a hole from a little little piece of space junk. And so they weren't in danger yet, but uh, their options were, were fewer. So some, Note some to self, uh, keep your junk out of the entryway, even <laughs> in space. You can't leave your junk around. We get to clean up after yourselves. Well, it doesn't take much, uh, you know, a little, you know, something, uh, a meteorite the, the size of... Uh, you know, like a grain of sand pretty much can put a dent in some of the stuff up there. So kind of kind of wild and a little more dangerous than we realize. But anyway, congrats to the, the crew making their way there. Elsewhere in the news, uh, Merrick Garland, uh, the AG, getting grilled uh, by Senator Josh Hawley and others uh, in a Senate hearing yesterday about the FBI and how involved in keeping an eye on the Catholic Church they are, as well as uh, Mark Houck, that uh, pro-life worker who was taken down by a SWAT team at his home 
after defending his son in an altercation outside of an abortion facility. And so there were some questions about how much force was used there, as well as uh, kind of overall, you know, Garland said he didn't know specifically how many FBI sources are embedded in Catholic churches. So I don't know. We might be involved in, you know, more cloak and dagger stuff uh, going to mass than we realize, John. Well, it's it's about time uh, that this issue is uh, is being uh, addressed uh, in Congress because it, it's outrageous um, what's been going on in the last couple of years, uh, the, the bias against uh, Catholics uh, and pro-lifers, the attacks on the Catholic churches and the pregnancy centers. Um, you know, something has to be done. Well, it sounds like he's been watching too much uh, Tom Hanks and the Da Vinci Code. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Those are you know based. <laughs> they're not really the truth. It's just a fun, a fun movie to watch. But uh, yeah, that's I don't know about so much of the cloak and dagger in the Catholic Church. No, well, if we could just keep our stories to to Doctor Seuss, that would be good. <laughs> and then speaking of today is Doctor Seuss's birthday, so it's a traditional day that uh, across America, the schools across America will be uh, they'll be celebrating Doctor Seuss, the man, and the many books. Uh, not just the books that he uh, wrote himself, but the many, many, many books that uh, kind of were spawned by uh, his uh, creativity and his ability to just rhyme almost anything. Uh, just amazing. I, I love the Dr. Seuss books. Uh, Glenn, I know you have some that are your favorite. Oh, Cat in the Hat. I think I grew up reading that. I had a well-worn copy of that, and uh, that inspired me, I think, to be able to write rhyming rhyming poetry. At one point, was part of uh, <laughs> Historic Morning Air Fun back in the uh, the Sean Harriet days. We did three questions, and we gave you hints. And I don't know, out of a need to amuse myself, I started rhyming some of those hints for our contestants, and that kind of became a deal. But uh, Cat in the Hat, uh, famous uh, not only in my growing up years, but for my kids as well, as they were lovingly referred to by their grandmother. My mother is thing one and thing two. My favorite was uh, the Grinch that stole Christmas and his big heart, the enlarged heart. But I also have great memories of uh, reading in Espanol to my uh, little one, Joseph, when he was when he was tiny. Uh, we used to read uh, Green Eggs and Ham, Huevos Verdes y Jamón. It's uh, funny you should mention that, John, because I, I have, I think, is this, is this Joseph Dominic doing this? No, no me gusta nada, Juan Ramón. No, no me gustan nada los huevos verdes con... I don't know. That sounds like that oh, could have been Sarah, him. Do you, you have something some, else? My do you goodness. have a... Is this a recording? Wow. Did I get into the archives? I don't know. That, That's that cool. could be Joseph right there. <laughs> very, very good. Very good. All right. So uh, the did, best did, to did, all did the Dr. Seuss fans out there today on his day. Did it rhyme, John, in Spanish too? Uh, sort of, yeah. <laughs> That's got to be not, challenging not to, to write a yes. book that will uh, be uh, rhyming in more yeah. than one language. That would know. be El Doctor Sus. There uh, you go. To uh, <laughs> you Morning Air listeners. Uh, thanks again, as always, uh, Glenn and Sarah. We uh, begin every hour here on Morning Air, always in prayer, always giving thanks to our Lord for all the many blessings, always keeping in mind that every single day is a blessing, every day is a gift. We always pray through the intercession of the Mother of God, our Blessed Mother Mary. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. 
Nuestra Señora de Guadalupe, Our Lady of Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas, patroness of the unborn and of relevant radio, pray for us. St. Joseph, patron of the Universal Church, pray for us. St. John Paul II, co-patron of Relevant Radio, pray for us. And we always invoke the Holy Spirit every morning when we pray, come Holy Spirit, come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. On Thursdays, I always take a moment to remind you uh, that it was on Holy Thursday that our Lord Jesus Christ instituted the Holy Eucharist. And so during uh, this uh, Eucharistic revival that the bishops have called for, try to make a visit to the Blessed Sacrament sometime today. It doesn't have to be long, just a few moments to say hello to our Lord. Uh, and if you can't do it today, try to do it uh, sometime during this week. It's a great practice uh, during Lent. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Morning Air Show. If you want to reach us directly with your thoughts or story ideas, the email morningair at relevantradio.com. And our number, if you want to be part of the program this morning, 888-914-9149. Uh, I'm not sure we can uh, beat uh, the uh, uh, Dr. Seuss bit, uh, but we're going to give it a try. Uh, uh, There are numerous resources that help Catholics explore the truth, beauty, and the goodness of their faith. But how many of them are both fun and informative? Can Catholicism be actually funny? I think it can. After all, God does have a sense of humor. He is the author of comedy. Check out this clip on Lent from Catholic Central. Hey, Kai. Uh, what's up? Well, Libby, I really want to do Lent right this year, you know? All right, take a seat. Let's get started. Oh, no. No sitting or reclining for me during Lent. It's far too comfortable. Also, no solid foods, no clothing fresh out of the dryer, no electronics. Whoa, hold on. That might be a little too extreme. I mean, no electronics. Oh, no. I've already failed. Well, maybe now you won't feel too guilty about sitting down. I feel guilty about everything. I love it. Joining us live from Santa Monica, California, is Father David Guffey, the executive producer of Catholic Central, uh, to talk about how humor can actually be used to share the gospel, to evangelize. Father Guffey also serves as the national director and head of production at the Family Theater Productions in Hollywood, California, which was founded in 1947 and creates faith-based and family-friendly programs for film, television, and the Internet. He's also written and directed award-winning short films. Good morning, Father Goffey. Thanks so much for joining us on Morning Air for the first time. Uh, It is a joy to be with you. John, thank you for having me. Uh, it is uh, it is really a great topic, something that we haven't explored here uh, since I took over this show, uh, the idea of our Catholic faith and comedy. Can you explain to us uh, from your experience and, and what, the great work that you're doing uh, with Catholic Central how uh, Catholicism can be funny? You know, um, I, I had a theology professor in the seminary who said that humor was one of the signs of the presence of God. Um, when we can just oppose what, what is with what we think it is, that clash so often ends up in humor. I think a lot of the things that Jesus said were probably said with a smile in his face. Some of the parables, I think, in his day would have been funny. I mean, because they were so challenging and because they kind of turned uh, understanding upside down in a way. So I think there's a lot more humor in our tradition 
than we can ever imagine. I got to believe that uh, uh, something is uh, lost in the trend in the uh, translation when we read the gospels and like you like you said our lord uh, may, may have actually gotten a, a few chuckles in some of the things that he used to say uh, to his disciples. Absolutely. I think of the road to Emmaus where he's walking along and these these two people are it's after the after the crucifixion, the empty tomb, two two apostles, disciples walking down the road kind of talking and he says, what are you talking about? And they said, haven't you heard? And he said, oh, what thing? I mean, it's almost like a, a little joke he's playing on them. Of course he knows what happened, but he's trying to get them to engage. There's lots of humor in the gospel. That is a, that is a great, <laughs> great observation, uh, Father Guffey. Well, tell us, what inspired you to, to uh, uh, combine a comedy uh, with our faith? Uh, uh, obviously, in the way in which you're, you're doing it now uh, with Catholic Central. It started from a more serious concern. It started with the concern that and we had done research about Catholic families and passing on the faith. And at the time we did the research, we found that 68% of Catholic kids were in no religious education at all, not youth group, not confirmation, not Catholic school. But we know those kids have questions. We, we know anecdotally from working as, as pass, in parishes and pastoral work, that kids are looking for answers to things. And where do they turn? They turn to the internet. But when they go to the internet, you have to grab their attention. You have to get, you have to get it so that they'll listen through the whole video, that they'll listen to the whole lesson. And so I worked with a, a wonderful religious educator, a wonderful communicator named David Impostato, and we put together this series, and it's um, been used widely. People are really, really enjoying it. Well, Father, I, uh, I got a chance to see uh, some of your videos. Uh, they're very funny, and I can see how they could really capture uh, the attention of clips. We have another clip uh, from uh, the Ten Commandments from Catholic Central. that I want to get your reaction on the other side. Hey, Nick, what you doing out there? Oh, hey, Gabby. <laughs> um, so St. Peter said that I could come into heaven as long as I match up the keys with the Ten Commandments. Do you think you could give me a hand? You don't know the Ten Commandments. I mean, how'd you get this far? No, no, I, I do. <laughs> of course. <laughs> it, it, it's just I'm I'm a little bit flustered. Um, but you obviously know what they are because you got in. So, uh, what's the fifth commandment? Oh, that's easy. Thou shalt not steal. Yes, you're a saint. Thank you. <laughs> Wrong one! <laughs> Works every time. Uh, I want to bring in our listeners if you want to share your thoughts on how humor can be used to share the gospel, uh, to share a Catholic faith, to evangelize. Can Catholicism be funny? I would love to hear your perspective. We're taking your calls for Father David Guffey, the executive producer of Catholic Central. Our number, 888-914-9149, Father Guffey, uh, it takes a special talent to be able to pull this off. Uh, tell us about uh, some of the folks at, at Catholic Central who are producing these uh, uh, hilarious uh, videos. We have a great team. Um, we have a writer, director, um, producer named uh, uh, Susanna Duenas, who's the current producer. She follows in the steps of Mary Ashley Burton. And, and what she did is she hired, we hire entertainment writers who are Catholics, who, who are formed in the faith. We give them an outline of sort of the main teaching points we want to include, 
but then let them go at their work. Uh, and then we review them theologically so that we make sure that they're sound at the end of the day so that the, the information is accurate. But we also uh, workshop them and, and, and work with them in rehearsals and that to try to um, work with the actors who then especially give the actors, the hosts, who are also people of faith, uh, they kind of give it life as it comes off the script. And so uh, these segments are not only funny, but they're orthodox. They're, they're teaching the real deal. They are, and we've been really pleased at the reactions we've gotten from religious educators around the country. And there's a number of dioceses, including New York and Los Angeles, who've included Catholic Central on their official list of catechetical resources for the, the diocese. So they're getting a lot of support for religious educators because uh, on that point alone. That is uh, fantastic to hear. Those are two big markets in New York and, and uh, L.A., uh, two big archdioceses, the two biggest, I believe, in, in our country. Um, uh, Father Guffey, um, can you talk about some of the other um, topics uh, that uh, are addressed uh, in, in your shows? Sure. When we first started talking about the series, we made a list of about 200 and 250 topics that we might cover. What we've tried to do is pick topics that kind of fall within units, Catholic history, Catholic doctrine, Catholic spirituality, uh, liturgy and sacraments. And so we, um, we pick the topics and we try to, we, but we also try to pick things that we know kids are interested in. We have a couple of, epi of episodes of Catholic Central, for example, on the relationship between faith and science. A lot of people have the mistaken view that if you're a Catholic, you don't believe in science. My gosh, Catholics invented science. Um, there was, it was a Catholic monk who came up with a, the scientific method. And we try to communicate some of those things. So it's a combination of kind of things that are pretty important to know, combined with things that we think that kids will be Googling or looking up on YouTube because they have questions about. Faith and science definitely uh, sounds like something that, that kids would be interested in. I know my kid, uh, he's 15, he, he even liked to, to chime in on, on those uh, segments on faith and science. Uh, Father, what ages uh, ideally are, are you trying to go after? You know, when we wrote the series, we wrote it for middle school through uh, high school. But our audience, we found that it appeals to an older audience as well. So on, on the demographics on the, the, on the Internet, we're seeing people from middle high school to about 30. Uh, so and, and it's being widely used in especially during COVID when people are on lockdown. A, a lot of religious religious classes in high school used it. So uh, it's, it's skewing in that age group. And we, but um, we've also had people email and tell us or talk to us and tell us that they're using it in the rite of Christian initiation for adults, the process by which people become Catholic in the, the Catholic Church. So it's written for a younger audience, but it seems to appeal uh, more broadly. Uh, Father Guffey, can you take us through the process, uh, you know, to developing, uh, you know, a topic, uh, for example, like uh, the, the faith in science? How long does it take uh, to write it, uh, to come up with the concept, and then to, to actually make it into uh, programs? Sure. Starts with the idea. Then we, we kind of talk about that on the team. We, we create a little bit of an, a, a brief outline. We pick the right writer for that topic. Some of our writers are better with, you know, some areas than others. We send it to the writer. Usually it takes, you know, two weeks to a month for the writer to get a script back to us. Um, we do notes to the writer then, and we do the first theological review at that point. We send it back to the writer if there's a need for a rewrite. He sends it back to us. 
we do a table read with the whole team and the hosts, you know, to hear what it sounds like. And if there's any further notes, we send it back to the writer. Then we do another theological review before we, we go on set. And then we shoot about eight or 10 of them at a time. Um, and then after the editing process is done, and that we shoot over a period of a few days, usually it takes a couple of weeks to edit it. Um, and then we do a theological review and then we post it and it goes out in the air. We try to release one every two weeks. So uh, it, it is a, a process. It, it takes a little bit of time. You don't just spring these things up overnight. No, no, it, it's a whole involved process. And we have a great team. It's been really fun to see the ways that people are really anxious to use their talents and gifts um, for the church and for things that kind of build up the world. It, it's been really a lot of fun and edifying to work with some of these Hollywood professionals. Well, I, I know that, uh, that you're uh, also involved with the, the Family Theater Productions, uh, uh, Father Peyton, the family that prays together, stays together. Uh, we have our, our family, Rosary Across America, here every night with Father Rocky, and he constantly uh, reminds folks of, of that theme that uh, Father Peyton made uh, so famous. And uh, there's always some funny moments, even in that rosary, especially with the little kids. You know, Kids can be very funny when they ask questions about the faith. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's wonderful to engage. I love the rosary. It's, in L.A., it comes on at five o'clock, which is about the time I'm usually in my car heading from my office to the parish. And uh, those moments can be great. And it's, um, yeah, kids, kids especially. I, that's, we, we do some live events with the hosts and with our team. And it's great, the kinds of things that will come out of people's mouths. Well, you're doing fantastic work. Uh, where can our listeners uh, watch uh, uh, the, the good work of, of Catholic Central? There's a website, catholiccentral.com. And the other thing that I would just point out is with each episode, if people want to go deeper, and we hope they do, we ho- this isn't the final word on any of the topics, but we hope it will make them want to go deeper. We have a list of resources, video, uh, articles, and other things that they can go and they can go deeper into the topic. That's at catholiccentral.com. We're also on YouTube and on social media. Well, uh, you're doing a, a great work. Uh, it's 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 very funny. This the stuff that I saw it really uh, you know got my attention, and uh, I so much appreciate uh, you being with us uh, here this morning, uh, Father. All I can say is uh, keep smiling and keep laughing. <laughs> Thank you so much, John. Thanks for having me on Morning Air. God bless you, Father David Guffey, the executive producer of Catholic Central and the national director and head of production at the Family Theater Productions in Hollywood. California. We're going to take a short break when Morning Air uh, comes back. Our spiritual director, Father James Kabicki, will tell us about uh, St. Catherine Drexel, who we're going to celebrate uh, tomorrow, and uh, share uh, his thoughts on the Eucharistic revival that's going on, as well as some thoughts on Lent and almsgiving. So uh, a mixed uh, bag here this morning. Stay with us, as uh, there's much more to come on this Thursday morning edition of Morning Air. Welcome back uh, to Morning Air. 
Good morning, Motown. More on Motown in a moment. I'm John Morales along with Glenn and producer Sarah. Thanks so much for joining us on this Thursday in the first week of Lent here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm so glad that you can make us a part of your morning to continue to help you journey through these 40 days of Lent with our Lord Jesus Christ. Big shout out to uh, the Motor City, to uh, Motown. Relevant Radio uh, says greetings and salutations this morning to our new listeners in uh, Metro Detroit, Michigan. This is a big week. Relevant Radio, 1030 a.m. went on the air in Detroit, along with uh, four other FM stations there in the area. You can get a complete listing of our stations in Michigan and across the country at relevantradio.com or on the Relevant Radio mobile app. Uh, Make sure that you spread the word. Uh, Tell everybody you know there in uh, Metro Detroit uh, and Ann Arbor area uh, to tune in and to make Relevant Radio part of your Lenten journey. I have great memories of Detroit. I spent almost a decade there working at Fox 2 Detroit, so uh, I covered many, many uh, Pistons, Red Wings, Tigers, Lions, you name it, Michigan football. It was a blast. I'll never forget it. Michigan will always be in my heart and my second home. Our power scripture from the playbook of life this morning is from Jeremiah 29, 13. You shall seek me and shall find me when you shall seek me with all your heart. This first week of Lent, this verse is a never-ending reminder that the Lord wants us to seek Him with all of our heart. The Lord wants our heart to be transformed, to become more like His heart, the sacred heart of Jesus. During these 40 days of Lent, open your heart to search fervently for Jesus the Lord, to search Him with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. In other words, with everything you have. And we always pray with great confidence that prayer that uh, my good friend Drew Mariani prays every afternoon during the uh, Chaplet of Divine Mercy, Jesus, I trust in you. Our number, if you want to be part of the conversation, 888-914-9149, Now, tomorrow we celebrate the Feast of St. Catherine Drexel, uh, part of whose inheritance helped to uh, found the St. Francis Mission back in 1886. Joining us live is our spiritual director, Father James Kabicki, uh, to tell us more about the life uh, of St. Catherine Drexel and the connection between Lent, almsgiving, and uh, the Eucharistic revival. Father Kabicki is a Jesuit priest, a retreat director, and a spiritual director at the St. Francis de Sales Seminary in the Archdiocese of Milwaukee, a longtime Relevant Radio contributor with his daily prayer reflections and a longtime contributor uh, to Morning Air. Good morning, uh, Father Kabiki. Thanks so much for joining us. Great to be with you uh, once again here in this uh, first week of Lent. Well, thank you, John. Good to be with you, too. And uh, thank you for that power scripture. I, I couldn't help thinking that, you know, our, our goal during Lent is to have our hearts transformed to be more and more like the heart of Jesus. And tomorrow will be first Friday of the month, which is the day when we honor our blessed Lord and his sacred heart. And uh, St. Catherine Drexel is a great example of how the Eucharist and the Eucharistic heart of Jesus transformed her heart to be more like his. 
Um, she's a fascinating figure in the history of the United States. She was born in 1858 to a wealthy Philadelphia family, and she lived almost 100 years. She died in 1955. Um, her family was very wealthy, but they opened their home to the poor. Three times a week, people would come to their house and receive what they needed in terms of food or clothing or medicine. And uh, early on in her teens, her family had traveled from Philadelphia West to Nebraska and South Dakota, where she saw uh, the plight of the Native Americans who were confined to reservations and, and also the poor black slaves who had been freed. Um, and when her father died in 1885, she was still a teenager, 17 years old, and she inherited what today's equivalent would be $250 million. And she used part of that money to start St. Francis Mission, as you mentioned. That's the mission that I served at uh, from 2017 to 2022, just last summer. Uh, she gave the money to start St. Francis Mission, and it was named St. Francis in honor of her father, Francis. So she's a great example to us of almsgiving, one of our great Lenten practices in which we we give of what, what we don't need for ourselves, and we share that with those who are in more need than ourselves. And uh, that St. Francis mission that we're talking about is on the Rosebud Reservation uh, uh, that you were such a, a big part of for, for so many years. Uh, St. Catherine Drexel really seemed to have a real heart for the Native Americans. Well, that's, that's for sure. Because at one point, uh, after she had started St. Francis Mission and some other missions, she traveled to Rome and she had a personal audience with Pope Leo XIII. And she begged him, she said, please send missionaries to the United States to help the native people. And you could just imagine Pope Leo looked at her and he said, well, what about you? Why don't you go to them yourself? And that touched her. And uh, she followed that advice, that call of Pope Leo XIII. Uh, she entered religious life with the Mercy Sisters, uh, but in her heart was the desire to found a congregation that would be dedicated particularly to serving the Native American and uh, uh, African American races in the United States. And so she founded the um, Sisters of the Blessed Sacrament in 1891, and uh, they expanded and uh, helped found many different schools and missions throughout the United States, including, in the year 1915, Xavier University in New Orleans, which was the first Catholic university specifically for African Americans. Well, uh, Father, I know that there's a, a story uh, behind a monstrance uh, that came uh, to uh, the uh, St. Francis Mission. Uh, can you share us a little bit of, uh, about that story? Yes, that's one of the greatest things, you know, in the five years that I served at St. Francis Mission as its director, um, I saw this, this beautiful monstrance, which from time to time I would take with me when I gave parish missions. And it was a monstrance that St. Catherine Drexel herself had given to the mission. So the story is that in 1917, the first church at St. Francis Mission on the Rosebud Reservation in South Dakota burned down. 
and uh, it had to be rebuilt. It was rebuilt in a, a strong concrete wall fa fashion. And in 1922, it was consecrated and dedicated. And for the occasion, St. Catherine Drexel traveled to the Rosebud with this monstrance. So you could say it's a second-class relic, which she gave to um, the the mission, and which during this Eucharistic revival time is now traveling around the Diocese of Rapid City. So when I was the director there at St. Francis Mission, uh, the bishop, Bishop uh, Peter Mewich, asked us if that monstrance could be a traveling monstrance during the Eucharistic revival time. And uh, it's going from church to church, in western South Dakota, in the Diocese of Rapid City, where people are using it for holy hours and Eucharistic adoration um, as, as a way of uh, reviving our Eucharistic faith and doing so with a monstrance that St. Catherine Drexel gave. Obviously, she had a great love for the Holy Eucharist because she named her congregation the Sisters of the Blessed Sacrament. And so um, she, you could say, would be uh, uh, one of the patron saints that we should have in mind during this time of Eucharistic revival because she shows us, like Mother Teresa did as well, that if we have a deep love for Jesus in the Eucharist, our hearts will be transformed and will be more open to the needs of people around us. The charity that Jesus shows us in giving himself to us, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist, will help us to have that same charity toward our neighbor. Well, St. Catherine Drexel um, obviously had uh, that same kind of spirit uh, of, you know, a Mother Angelica, a Mother Teresa, some of these uh, foundresses of congregations. Did, can, you, can you share with us what the uh, Blessed Sacrament Sisters, what, what they're known for uh, today? Well, unfortunately, like, like many congregations, they have decreased in, in membership. Um, and, but for years, they would serve uh, uh, the African-American and Native American communities throughout the United States. When I was the director of St. Francis Mission, I often got letters from some of the elderly sisters who didn't want all the materials they had created to catechize, to evangelize the people on the reservations. They didn't want those materials to go to waste. So there was one sister in particular, she was in retirement in Philadelphia, who uh, sent me some of the materials that she used and that she felt could continue to be used. And so I shared those with our uh, religious ed director there at St. Francis Mission. So it it's really, you know, about about sharing and and that's i think so important especially as we're in this lenten season and john i would i'd like to open the lines you know for our listeners that if if our listeners have some um charities or you know part of our almsgiving during lent if they would have some suggestions for us or tell us witness to us how they are uh, giving alms this Lent, and they might have some creative ideas for all of us in terms of, of how we might help those who are in need. Uh, so if, if our listeners could call in, or if we have any listeners from Philadelphia, I'd love to hear about the relics of St. Catherine Drexel, which I understand were transferred recently from their mother house to 
the cathedral, St. Peter's Cathedral in Philadelphia. So I'd love to hear more about um, St. Catherine's relics there in the cathedral in Philadelphia. There you go. Uh, any of our morning air listeners uh, in Philly, uh, if you know anything about these relics uh, coming to Philadelphia, would love to hear from you, and as well as any of your thoughts on uh, giving, uh, almsgiving, uh, giving to different charities uh, here during this Lenten season. Any thoughts you might have on Lent and almsgiving? We're taking your calls for our spiritual director, Father James Kabicki, 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. We're take a short time out as we continue our conversation with Father Kabiki. Stay with us. There's more to come on the other side. Bringing the light of Christ to start your day. This is Morning Air. On Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. It's a good morning. Wake up to a brand new day. And welcome back to Morning Air here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm John Morales. Thanks so much for joining us as we continue our discussion about the life of St. Catherine Drexler, whose feast we're going to celebrate tomorrow, a, a tremendous saint uh, who had a big heart uh, and is really a, a great role model for us uh, d- during this time of Lent in terms of almsgiving uh, as we continue with our spiritual director, Father James Kabicki. Father, before you the break, uh, you called uh, for our listeners, if anybody uh, knew anything about the relics of uh, St. Catherine uh, Drexler, who's been um, who have been moved uh, to uh, to Philadelphia. Well, uh, our listeners uh, have answered, and again, our number uh, this morning is triple eight nine one four nine one four nine triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. Father Kabicki, uh, we have Patrick joining us uh, from uh, New Jersey this morning. Good morning, Patrick. Welcome to Morning Air. You're on with Father Kabicki. Good morning. How are you? Uh, doing well. Uh, blessed here this good, morning. Good. Thanks Thanks for yeah. uh, joining us. Good. Uh, just a few uh, uh, thoughts on Mother Catherine. Actually, as a side note, my great-grandparents met at the Drexel household in the 1880s. Um, my great-grandmother was a parlor maid. The, uh, my great-grandfather was a coachman. So I'm kind of a descendant of Catherine, if you want to uh, say it that way. But the, as far as the relics, um, her body was entombed at the mother house in Ben Salem, and um, the uh, sisters there never wanted her body to be um, uh, uh, taken part to the body for relics. So her body was intact. So as far as I know, there were no first-class relics of Mother Catherine. Now, I guess she was moved about two years ago. Um, again, the sisters... Um, uh, dwindled, the number dwindled. They um, uh, decided to uh, move her, and the, the um, diocese created a special uh, altar and crypt down at the cathedral for her. So that's where she rests today. And as far as I know, there's no first-class relics. I don't, I don't know whether when they moved her or not, whether they took anything um, on there. But um, mm-hmm. the sisters used to have a museum 
small museum um, at their mother house, and um, she they would have different uh, artifacts there of uh, Mother Catherine, and um, they had a a mannequin dressed in one of her habits. And when you think of Mother Catherine, you think of a, a big woman, but she was a very, very petite woman. But what a powerhouse. Yeah, really, Patrick, thank you. Yeah. You know, it's it's great uh, to, to have someone, as you said, you know, that your great-grandparents met uh, at uh, the Drexel family home uh, in Philadelphia. And uh, so in some ways, you know, we, we often think of saints as, as uh, being untouchable or, or uh, so far from us, but to have that kind of connection is, is just wonderful. And I really appreciate your letting us know a little more about how uh, her body had been transferred from the mother house, which was closed down to the uh, a special shrine in that uh, cathedral in uh uh, in Philadelphia. So, Patrick, thank you so much for the information. Thanks so much, Patrick. Really appreciate it. Uh, we go uh, to Northern Michigan. Uh, Phil is joining us. Uh, Phil, good morning. Welcome. Yeah, good morning. Uh, you know, a type of almsgiving that people could do if they wish is to go to their local nursing home. I'm on my way right now to the nursing home. We're going to be doing Stations of the Cross for Catholics and Protestants. And, um, Interestingly, uh, many Protestants will come and sit in on our rosary groups, and they find the Stations of the Cross uh, very interesting as well. So it's another type of almsgiving that your listeners could participate in. Well, Phil, that's that's perfect. You know, last week when we talked about uh, the practices of penance during Lent, I had mentioned that, you know, the greatest gift we each one of us has is the gift of time. And so you're just underscoring what I talked about last week, that uh, one way we can give alms is by giving the gift of our time to others, especially those who perhaps are forgotten. And so uh, God bless you for your good work of, of visiting the nursing home and, and bringing them uh the stations of the cross these days thank you phil thanks so much uh, phil and and father kabiki uh it's interesting to hear phil uh tell us uh, that uh, some of our uh, non-catholic christian our, our protestant friends uh, uh are, are getting something out of the stations of the cross and the, the rosary because they're so uh chalk filled with scripture that's true. That's true. And the Stations of the Cross, you know, it's uh, an old tradition that goes back uh, to before the the breakup of the church uh, during the 1500s, the Reformation. It, you know, it's a, a practice that went back before that when Christianity was whole. And, and many Protestants uh, have books. Uh, back then they had books with uh, pictures that would help them pray. And so, you know, the Stations of the Cross are a very practical way that we imagine the sufferings of Jesus. Uh, and as you said, it's it's very scriptural. Um, the meeting of Jesus on the on the way to the cross uh, with his mother Mary and the women of Jerusalem and uh, all of that, you know, it, it's very much a part of our scriptures. And so uh, it's wonderful to hear that um, Phil's work with people in that nursing home uh, is touching uh, all the people there, all the Christians there. Absolutely. Uh, what a blessing. Uh, Father, for any of our new listeners, you know, we have new listeners uh, in Metro Detroit. Can you remind us of how uh, almsgiving is actually interconnected to prayer and fasting here in the final moments? 
Sure, happy to do that. Well, prayer uh, and during Lent, we're called to open our hearts in prayer. That should open us up to the love of God, which then we want to share with others. And one of the ways we share our uh, love of God with others is by fasting. Uh, basically, we show our hunger for God by uh, foregoing some food or drink, and we, uh, in that way, also save some money, which then leads to the almsgiving. So prayer can lead to fasting, and fasting is a way of praying with our bodies, showing our hunger for God, uh, that God is more important to us than um, the pleasure of eating, as it were. And then by saving some money during our fasting, uh, we can also then have uh, some alms that we give to those in need. So whether it's, you know, foregoing that latte or uh, some alcohol or uh, cutting down on a meal during the week, um, that money then can be used to help those who are more in need. So prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, all three go together. Speaking of prayer, can you uh, leave us uh, with a prayer? I'm happy to do that, John. Lord God, look upon all of us, our listeners, our families and friends, and through the intercession of St. Catherine Drexel, bless us with the graces that we need this day and all our days. And may the blessing of Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit come upon you all and remain with you forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Father Kabicki, as always, uh, always a joy. Really appreciate uh, your perspective. Thanks so much for being with us. You're welcome, John. Goodbye. Our spiritual director, Father James Kabicki. And now it's time for yet another episode of Glenn's Story Corner. Our story today called Reaching the Peak by David Sargent. Daniel Mazur, an American guide from Olympia, Washington, was on his way to scaling Mount Everest for the second time when he abandoned his attempt. Mazur, his two clients, and a Sherpa guide were only two hours from the 29,035-foot peak the morning of May 6, 2006, when they met 50-year-old Lincoln Hall. Hall had been left alone by his team a day earlier when his own guides believed he was dead. When Mazur and his team encountered him, Hall's first words were, I imagine you're surprised to see me here. Mazur later reported, I was shocked to see a guy without gloves, hat, oxygen bottles, or sleeping bag at sunrise at 23,200 feet just sitting there. Mazur and his team spent four hours maneuvering Hall down the slope, giving him bottled oxygen, food, and liquids. While they were assisting Hall, two climbers from another country walked past, heading toward the summit. When asked to help, they claimed they did not understand English. Mazur later learned they were not being truthful. Eventually, some Sherpas showed up to get Hall back to the base camp. Mazur and his companions were too exhausted to try and continue their trek back to the top of Mount Everest. The team agreed there was no choice, and after looking at the summit one more time, they completed their descent. But Mazur had no regrets. Oh yeah, it was worth it, he said. You can always go back to the summit, but you only have one life to live. Mazur considered the life of a fellow climber to be more important than his own personal pursuits. Philippians 2.3 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. 
As always, thanks so much, uh, Glenn. Really appreciate it. Uh, one more shout out to our good friends in Metro Detroit. Thanks uh, for listening on Relevant Radio 1030 AM that went on the air this week and a, a couple of other FM stations there in the Detroit Ann Arbor area. During this Lent, I want to encourage you to try to get the Daily Mass if you can and also pray the Family Rosary Across America with Father Rocky, 7 p.m. Central tonight and every night of the week here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. That'll do it for this Thursday edition of Morning Air for Glenn Leverance, producer Sarah Tafoya, Gabby Burke, our entire Morning Air team. I'm John Morales. Thanks so much for joining us. Let your light shine before all. God bless America. We'll see you Friday on the next edition of Morning Air. The Patrick Madrid Show is straight ahead. <laughs>